0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets.
1: Welcome to Sable Pooch on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for tuning in. I am Beverly Isla, your host, So in today's show, we will talk about a special organization that is able to merge two important causes with senior individuals being a vulnerable and underserved population. Senior rescue dogs are even more vulnerable. So on one hand, we have senior dogs in shelters who are more likely to be euthanized, on another dogs owned by seniors are more likely to be left behind because they are no longer able to be taken care of. And the organization called Peace of Mind Dog Rescue has taken the initiative to not only advocate for senior rescue dogs in shelters, but to also provide dog services to senior people to ensure that they can keep their dogs with them as long as possible without being forced to give them up. Our guest today is Peace of Mind. Executive Director Carrie Broker. When we get back from these messages, Carrie will be joining us. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Carrie Broker from Peace of Mind Dog Rescue. Thank you, Carrie, for chatting with me about your awesome work. And I love the angle that the organization has taken because it's not only helping senior dogs in shelters but helping avoid more from going into them. So how did you and your team decide to focus on taking on both helping senior rescue dogs and people?
0: Oh well thank you so much for having me on and for all of the good work that you're doing. We started Peace of Mind Dog Rescue about eight and a half years ago And I had been doing rescue work with another organization for about 12 years, so I wasn't new to rescue. We were rescuing dogs and cats from shelters, uh, who were at risk of being euthanized. And at the time that peace before, right before peace of mind started, I was taking care of a spaniel named Savannah, who was a woman who was dying of emphysema. And Alice was in and out of the hospital. And whenever she went into the hospital, she would ask me to take Savannah to my home and take care of her until she could get her back. And I was happy to do that. And then it came to the point where the doctors told Alice that she probably only had a few weeks left to live and she was moved to a hospice facility. And so I would bring her dog to her to visit with her. And at one of those visits, what was most concerning to her about her impending death was mm. what was going to happen to her dog. And so at I... one of those visits, she actually asked me if I, if she thought that she should have Savannah put down. And Savannah was a, yeah, she was a seven-year-old healthy dog. And of course, I just said immediately, you know, do not even think about that. Don't worry about that. I will make sure that she gets a good home and that she's okay. And just, there was just so much relief in Alice's face and her body. And she just It was really what was just most concerning to her. And she did end up passing away just about two weeks later with Savannah on her bed at her Um, side. And she did have one family member, but she was a disabled woman who was not able to take care of Savannah. And so the family called me and asked, you know, to come and, and get Savannah and I picked her up. And when I had left the hospice facility at that visit, Just when I was walking to my car, the whole concept of peace of mind dog rescue came to me that Mm. uh, these people who were, and not only senior citizens, but anybody with any disease who is facing, you know, possible death or they're struggling with their own health, chronic illness, and where are these dogs going to go? And in my previous rescue work, we were so focused on the dogs in the shelters, which of course we need it to be, and those organizations are definitely needed, that we couldn't even get to the people who were calling us every week asking if we could take in their animals because, you know, something was happening. There was a death in the family. They were going into assisted living. right? And so ultimately, those animals end up going to the shelter. And often when a senior person is towards the end of their life and they have a pet, That pet's usually a senior also, and so when that animal gets into the shelter, you know, the the senior dogs and cats are the first ones to be euthanized because those aren't the animals that most people are looking for. They have health issues that most people don't want to take on, so when I that concept came to me. I called Monica Rua, who's my co-founder and, you know, pitched the idea to her about us taking in dogs from people who were elderly or or passing away. And she right away knew that that was a niche in the community that needed to be filled and was happy to become my co-founder. But also she said, let's not forget about the senior dogs that end up in shelters And for the 12 years that we had been doing rescue work together, whenever we would go to the shelters to, you know, choose the dogs that needed us most and get them out, it was the senior dogs that really broke our hearts. And Mm. uh, to see a senior dog in a shelter, you know, the, the young dogs, nobody wants to see any dogs. or animal in a shelter, the young dogs are kind of bouncing up and down. They're happy and, you know, there's (laughs) a pretty good chance that they're going, you know, they're like, take me, take me. A lot of times the seniors get very depressed. They put their, their face to the wall. They won't even look at people. Sometimes they won't eat. Oftentimes the shelters call us and say, oh, there's this dog and we don't even know if they can walk. And it's really just, they're just so depressed. And once we get them out and get them good medical care, and sometimes they need some physical rehabilitation because they haven't been, you know, properly taken care of or exercised and they just get younger and younger every day. So sometimes we'll get a dog that seems like they're just on death's door. We think they're 15 or 16 years old. And with proper care, you know, we find out, well, you know what, they're probably closer to nine or 10. So that's the origin story. That's how we got started.
1: I just can't imagine like the logistics you guys have to to cover on both ends. You guys cover a portion of California, am I correct?
0: We do. We so we're located in Pacific Grove, California, and so we cover our tri-county area, which is Monterey County, Santa Cruz County, and San Benito County. When we're in good shape as far as we have some extra foster homes available, we sometimes go outside of our county we go into Santa Clara County right. we've taken dogs from the Los Angeles area and other parts of the Central Valley from time to time but we really because we're a small organization and really pr- pretty young we're only 8 years old which is young if for a nonprofit we're maturing though but we are still a you know pretty new nonprofit we really want to make sure that we're focused locally And also that helps us because it can be so overwhelming. We get calls and emails from all over the state, but also from all over the country. So we knew. Yeah. So we knew that we really needed to set our priorities and um, make sure that the animals right in our local area are taken care of uh, before we start to expand outwards. But we have, we have made exceptions and, and taken in animals from other areas.
1: That's awesome. So how does the process work so that you guys can cover both populations? Like that's yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And (laughs) it's about half and half. About half of our dogs come from shelters and the other half come from guardians who are surrendering them to us. The shelters we are in, we have five shelters in our tri-county area that we mainly work with, and we're in just about daily contact with them. Okay. So they're letting us know on a daily basis which animals are seniors, which ones look like they aren't going to go up for adoption, or sometimes right. they've been up for adoption, but they haven't gotten adopted, and they think that they need to get out and get into, because we're all foster-based. So, all so it's of the foster dogs, homes. Foster homes, yeah. Oh. So it's 80 to 90 dogs in our care at any given time. And we have 160 foster homes. So they're not all in use at all the time because they're God. rotating and sometimes they're taking a break or somebody yeah. just adopted their foster dog or, or whatever. So we're in contact with the shelters, taking in the ones that the shelters think need us the most. And then, at the same time, we are receiving calls and emails from the general public who know about us and Again, I don't know of any other organization in the country that specifically has a mission of taking in dogs from senior citizens,
1: yeah and I haven't so heard we of it. get
0: yeah, we get calls and emails from all over the country, and we try to give people as much support as we can and Um, refer them to other possible rescues in their area who might be able to help them. But we have on our website a basically it's a questionnaire so that when somebody needs us to take their dog, they can fill out information about the dog and their personality and their likes and dislikes and their medical situation. So we have a pretty clear picture of the animal. We can't deal with aggressive dogs, so we do ask that it be a dog who's friendly with people and good with other dogs, you know, generally speaking. And then we do have them come in for an evaluation where we meet the dog and we introduce them to some other dogs and see how they do. And probably 90% of the dogs that come do pass the evaluation because we've already, you know, kind of screened them through our intake questionnaire and a phone interview and then they come in. And we meet the dog, and then at that point, we get even more information. Once they pass, we find out what kind of food they've been eating and who their vet was so that we can collect their vet records. And we try to get as much information about the dogs so that when they go into a foster home, it's as little stress as possible for the yes. dogs. You know, the dogs that are in shelters that come in, there's literally almost no information about their background. We don't know their name. We know nothing right. about their medical history. And so when we do have a guardian who's had this dog for some time, we try to get as much information up front so that we can make that dog's life as easy as possible when they need to move to their foster home and then on to their permanent home.
1: For sure. That makes a big difference. But it there does. is, um, it yeah, for the, I don't want to sound morbid or anything, but the seniors that pass unexpectedly, do you guys cover that?
0: We do, definitely. And we get a lot of phone calls from family members who have oh. had somebody pass away and no one in the family is able to take the animal or it's a neighbor. Sometimes it's a neighbor who contacts us. Unfortunately, they're, you know, I think a lot of people in rescue have heard this story through shelters, but a lot of times senior citizens pass away on their own and sometimes it's a week or more before anybody mm-hmm. knows that they've passed. And so we do get some of those dogs and they've been through some some trauma Goodness, with, yeah. with that. So that's always a very, very sad situation. And we try to, you know, make that dog as happy as possible, as, as quickly as possible. But we also do have um, what we call a perpetual care program so that senior citizens, and we have some people who aren't even senior citizens, just people who are thinking ahead about their dogs. Right. And, and they, some people create a pet trust for their dog so that they know that their dog is going to be taken care of. And then they might name us as the caretaker. Ah. Oh, that's a good idea. Them. Yeah. Or sometimes somebody may have a family member, a sister or an aunt or an uncle, or a parent or whatever, who says that they will take their dog if something happens to them. And then they will name us as an alternate because you never know how people. Yeah circumstances are going to change. And that's another thing that we get calls from people a little too often who say, you know, my family member or my friend passed away, I promised her I would take her dog, but I really can't keep the dog. And so they've made a promise to somebody, you know, their dying wish, and now they realize that they're not in a position to keep the animal. And so we do get those kinds of situations.
1: Wow, that's awesome that you're covering all ends. But we're just going to go to a a quick break. And when we get back, we'll uh, continue talking about the merge that you guys are doing, helping senior rescue dogs and people. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact.
0: When Helen Brown ran away to New York City five years ago, she had no idea that a homeless cat with a punk rock haircut and enough catitude to light up the Empire State Building would be the one to teach her the true meaning of love and a forever home. In the tradition of her internationally best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, the amazing story of a rescue cat who inspired a community, is a heartwarming true story about a woman without an anchor a homeless cat without much hope, and finding a forever home in the city that never sleeps. Modern Cat Magazine calls Bono an uplifting tale about how everyone deserves love and a second chance. Bono by Helen Brown is on sale now everywhere.
1: Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy?
0: Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Carrie from Peace of Mind Dog Rescue. So, one thing I really do want to cover is senior dogs and what you think are the benefits of adopting a senior rescue dog. I really want that out there because I know, and I agree with your saying that a lot of them just don't get adopted a lot because of what people may perceive them as. So
0: Correct, yeah. (laughs) And I do think that it's actually, the word is really getting out about senior dogs. I think there's been a lot of in the media. And I think senior dog rescues are popping up more and more in each community. And I really think it's like the next wave of rescue is focusing on the senior dogs. They can just fit in so beautifully, right off the bat into a home very often, and not always, but very often, they're often already house trained, they know how to sit, they know basic commands, They're nice and calm. They walk nicely on a leash. It's really beautiful when a senior dog makes that just really easy, easy transition into a new home. Right, right. And it's now on the other hand, I I need to just also say that sometimes senior dogs do have more health issues. And so you need to be able to take on that medical expense sometimes they have mobility issues. So oftentimes you think about matching a senior dog with a senior person, but sometimes if that senior person is, they're starting to have mobility issues also, you don't want them, you know, adopting a dog that they need to be picking up to carry up and down stairs. So we always try to make sure that that match is, is right. And the other thing about senior dogs, and people say this over and over again, just about rescue dogs in general, but I think when it's a senior dog, just how grateful they are. And they seem to really know that you have helped them out of a difficult situation and that you're there for them. And it's just to look into the eyes of a dog who has lost their companion Mm -hmm. and be able to watch them blossom and be in a home Again, it's just, it really, I think people get addicted to it. And we have a lot of repeat adopters who will adopt a senior dog, take them to their natural lifespan. And then once that dog passes away, they come back and they say, I want another senior dog. And that's just so beautiful that people can continue to open their heart to someone who they're, you know, not going to have for 15 years, it might be five years.
1: Yeah, that's another thing, years. right? It's uh, it's getting it finding those people yeah. who are strong enough to go through yeah. the the grieving process.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's not for everyone. And we also yeah. do hospice dogs, so we do have foster homes who will take in a dog who they we know is probably not going to live more than six months. Sometimes we'll pull a dog from the shelter or get a dog from a guardian who we know has cancer or heart disease, heart failure, something like that. And we do have these absolutely beautiful adopters and foster volunteers who take that on and make those six months, the best six months of the dog's life. Wow. Yes. I bow down to those
1: (laughs) volunteers. I do too. I
0: do too. We, and, and that becomes addicting also people just many of our hospice volunteers are repeat hospice volunteers, because it's so rewarding Mm -hmm. to be there for somebody in that way. And they just, they, you know, of course, they need time to grieve and to recover. But a lot of them do it repeatedly, just keep on taking in the hospice dogs.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Which brings me to ask, like, how can people and volunteers help with your mission? I'm sure there's a lot of roles.
0: (laughs) There are lots of roles. So we uh, definitely foster homes. We always need foster homes. And, uh, we do have foster homes that expand out. We've had foster homes in the Santa Clara, San Jose Bay area, and then also as south as San Luis Obispo. And so definitely foster care, anybody who wants to adopt, we adopt dogs who we've adopted to all over the country, but we've had people fly here from Canada and from Alaska to adopt dogs from us. And so yeah, we'll, you know, if it's a good home, if it's a good fit, People can go to our website, which is peaceofminddogrescue.org. All of our adoptable dogs are on there. They just fill out a questionnaire. We start talking with them. We definitely do home checks. You know, we just want to make sure that the dogs that we have invested our money and our love and our time into Mm -hmm. are going into safe situations. So we do what uh, what if their homes are, are far from you? We have a network, we have over 700 volunteers, and uh-huh. those volunteers have connections. Okay. So, for instance, when this wonderful chow was, had a, a potential adopter in Alaska, we put out an email to our volunteers and said, does anybody know anybody in Alaska? One of our volunteers had a relative who lived in Alaska. We contacted him to do the home check and it turned out that he knew the man who wanted oh. to adopt from us. So it's just, okay. it's you know what? It's a small world. It's just a beautiful world. There are so many connections and we can do home checks anywhere. The other thing uh, that volunteers can do is we always need transportation help. So we we had a man who had signed up for a perpetual care program who was in Los Angeles and he had a stroke and he had his dog that he had already arranged it want, he wanted him to come to us, and we put out an email to volunteers for somebody to, to pick up this dog in Los Angeles and bring him here. We also, like many rescue groups, we have a lifetime commitment to the dogs that come into our care. So even if a dog gets adopted, and then for some reason, if it's not working out or that person becomes ill in the future, that dog always comes back into our program. And we recently had a situation where a woman adopted two little toy poodles from us two years ago. She was in the San Jose area at the time, and then she moved to Florida, and she became very ill there, and she contacted us, and she was so concerned, what am I going to do with my dogs? And the very next day, we had a volunteer on a plane, fly to Florida, get the little poodles, bring them back. And then they were actually just adopted recently at Doris Day's 96th birthday celebration in Carmel. <laughs> so that was just really wonderful because they were two poodles. They both had health issues. One had congestive heart failure, One had uh, Cushing's disease, and it was like, oh gosh, you know, we might have these poodles for the rest of their lives. And uh, just a wonderful woman who was at Doris Day's birthday celebration adopted both of them together. Little Pixie and Bubbles. That was a great story. Yeah. Awesome.
1: And I'm assuming you guys are, do you guys allow your dogs on planes if someone wanted to adopt them abroad or no? Yes.
0: Well, nobody has. Adopted well, abroad hmm. from us, I think Canada's as far. But we do have we. There are some transportation services that will, just so that the dog is in cabin. We don't really want to send our dogs in uh, the yeah,
1: baggage compartment.
0: Yeah. But if the dog can be in the cabin, if you know, as a small dog who can ride in the cabin in a carrier, we usually send an escort with them, and they have been. And usually, the adopter pays for that. But okay. we do have volunteers who will fly the dogs places also. But people okay. have to be willing to fly here to meet the dog. We don't just fly dogs Send them out. Off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, they need to make the effort to get here and meet the dog and make sure it's going to be a good match, and then we'll help arrange the transportation.
1: Perfect. That sounds awesome. So before we wrap things up, Carrie, what are your goals for the organization? You guys are pretty big, actually. So what's your next step?
0: Yeah, so we're really, really excited. What we are in the process of doing right now is, setting up our own veterinary clinic for the dogs in our care. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah, so med- the the veterinary care is our the biggest expense for the dogs we oh, yeah, rescue. We're sure. spending a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars on each dog. Whoa. Every dog that comes to us, every single dog goes to the veterinarian for an exam, a senior blood panel, a urinalysis, a parasite screening. Most of them need dental cleanings. Many of them need extractions. Many of them need further tests. They need X rays, ultrasounds treatment for cancer, they need surgeries, they need treatment for Cushing's disease, they need, you know, biopsies done, lumps removed, arthritis medication. It's it's ongoing when you're rescuing senior dogs. And we do everything we can for the dogs that come into our care. We treat them like they're our very own personal dog. They get the best of care and supplements Mm -hmm. and everything that they need. So at the end of twenty sixteen we looked at our accounting and we were spending about $450,000 a year at that point on veterinary care. And that was the tipping point. That's when we knew wow. we need to create our own clinic, hire our own vet for yes. our dog so that we can bring those costs down and be able to help more dogs and more people. And so we have been working on this for the last two years to get our own. We've had a capital campaign going. We are just about to close escrow on a commercial building right here in Monterey County. And we're going to do our build out. And probably within the next six months, we will have our own clinic running with our own veterinarian to take care of these dogs. And it's going to be really nice, state of the art. All of the dogs come from the shelters. This will be their first stop to get all of their medical screening and medical stuff taken care of. So we're still raising money for that. Our goal was $2 million and we're at about 1.6 million right now. So we're about 400,000 left to go, but we're going to start the, we're going to start the build out because we need to just, you you just know, need keep to do and yeah. rolling with it Yeah, and, uh, and start, start up the fundraising again. But that's really exciting for us and our dogs. And not only is it going to save us money, but we also have really high standards about the quality of care for the dogs. And um, one central veterinary clinic is going to just be, you know, a lot of times, we have foster homes all over, right, all over three counties. And so if a dog goes to one foster home and starts their medical care at one clinic and then for some reason they need to move to another foster home who lives in a different county, now they start up their care there. And it's working with all of these different vets. We work with about 10 to 15 vets right now in all the different locations. As good as we all try to be with record-keeping, things can fall through the cracks when you have this moving medical care around. It happens with people too. So just really having one consolidated veterinarian and all the the paperwork and the records all in one place is going to help a lot with that because these cases get complicated and we really want to make sure these dogs are getting the best care possible. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, I'm so happy for you and I really hope it launches smoothly. We are out of time, and I really appreciate you coming on today and our show producer, Mark Winter, for making this show possible. You can check out Peace of Mind Dog Rescue at peaceofminddogrescue.org. So if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show, please email me at beverly at petliferadio.com. So until next time, spread animal compassion. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on petliferadio.com.